The talk. the talk. Do you have time to talk? Let's talk, about, talk about it. Let's have the talk. What do you Let's mean have the, the talk. talk? Have a second to talk. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk. So Let's talk about. It. Let's, Let's have, have the talk. Let's have the talk. To a Hands United production. You are now you tuned are now in. in. You are now tuned in. To a Hands United production. To a Hands United production. And now it's and time. And now it's time to have to have the talk. Hello and welcome to season two, episode one of The Talk, where we learn together, laugh together, and learn everything there is to know about SIBA. I'm joined with the divas of SIBA today. My name is Alonda Hutchinson Hall. I am your SIBA communications and logistics specialist, and I am joined by... Hey everyone, this is Gato Welker, pronoun she, her, hers. I'm one of the SIBA specialists or SIBA divas, like AJ likes to call us. That's right. And I'm going to let my colleague introduce herself. Hey y'all, I'm Kendra, pronoun she, her, hers, and I am one of the SIBA divas, and I'm so glad to be here with y'all today. Y'all, it's a good time when I tell you we got some good spirits, and I want y'all to know that, you know, it's not just three divas, there's four. KP, we miss you, girl. This episode is for you. So we're going to hop right into it. Season one was all about um, finding a voice in SIBA, finding and navigating what SIBA looks like. But I think season two is a good way to approach the question, what is SIBA? How would you girls explain it in your experience? What is SIBA for you? I would say SIBA for me is all about collaboration. That is the biggest component for me when I'm talking to a requester. Um, how can we work together to make whatever need they have um, flow better? I, I think it's really important that we give them the space and the opportunity to um, talk it out with us. I think a lot of times maybe they don't have a soundboard. And that's what we end up being during our initial call and a lot of times during our TA sessions too. Absolutely. Um, and to piggyback off of, I love how you use the word collaboration because a lot of what we do is collaborating. I always feel like SEBA, well, what I've what we've been doing thus far, I kind of feel like it's something of quality control. Um, to come in, you say that you have this issue, and we come in with ideas and um suggestions we're not here to tell anyone what is right what is wrong but we're here to just open those lines of communication um and really get that get that dialogue going within that organization um so it's it's refreshing and it's nice to come in and to be amongst these health professionals who do great work in HIV um and just to kind of give them some some pointers of how they can improve the work that they're already doing Wow. I love that. And I think even for me, um, even though I'm fairly new to SIBA, realizing, and of course, you know, SIBA, for those just joining us, it's capacity building assistance. And so um, especially the, what we're doing right now with SIBA, what we're doing right now is capacity building. And I know I joke and call you guys, you know, the, the divas of SIBA, but you really are. The way that you guys really create that space of, of reliability for organizations to come in and ask whatever questions they may have or whatever disconnects they may have with their community, that's a huge part of, of the, the health industry that I didn't know existed. Um, for you guys, what made you, what got you started in SIBA? Like what, what brought you to it? Have you always worked in it? So I started in sexuality education. Um, I was doing teen pregnancy prevention before Hands United, um, and I loved it. I loved 
training uh, adults in evidence-based programs, um, but there wasn't a lot of room for creativity in that position. So I feel like in my position now, um, and a lot of work that we do, we are given that license, that that room to kind of determine um, what we want RTA sessions to look like. And it doesn't necessarily have to follow fidelity or something like uh, evidence-based program. We get to design it um, as a team. So that's sickening. Um, my background has been child and maternal health. So I used to work with teen moms, um, a few years ago where we were helping them to prevent the subsequent pregnancy, making sure they graduate high school. And then I then moved into a program manager role where I was removed from the population. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I was still on the back end, making sure to be an advocate for mothers, Mm -hmm. um, whether that be them needing help or assistance with WIC or how to operate WIC or um, whether that be making sure that our incentives um, were, I guess, up to par or something that they actually needed. Um, So I've kind of been, I've been in nonprofit, I've been in local government. um, And so with SEBA, I feel like it's a good, it's a good mesh between the two. Um, because we work with community-based organizations. However, we also work um, we also work with health departments, local, state. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we both, Kato and I, have both been doing SIBA, but we just didn't, there wasn't oh, a doing SIBA. Because you have to do collaboration when you're in public health. That's what it's all about, you know? Um, it doesn't matter how big your job is. It doesn't matter how, quote unquote, small your job is. Um, you you have to collaborate. So it's nice to know that SIBA exists and that there's a name for it. So, yeah. Well, you know, and now let's get one thing straight here, okay? Now, my pronouns are he, him, his, but um, I have the pleasure of of working alongside some amazing women. And I've always wanted to ask the question, we talked about this, I think a couple of times off, off, um, off the podcast, but it's important to talk about now. Is there anything or has there been anything, I guess, just in your own personal experience, um, whether it be your uh, uh, sexual orientation, whether it be your race, whether it be uh, being female or just whatever it is that contributes to the work you do, or do you feel like it hinders you in any way? Or what, what do you feel like you would contribute in that, those spaces, if I can ask that? I love that question, um, 100%. Um, all of my identities come into my work. Um, I think that a big reason why I started sexuality education um, and something that I advocated for a lot um, was queer representation um, and having those discussions and making sure that um, queer people were not left out of teen pregnancy prevention. Um, I think a lot of people think that you don't need to discuss healthy relationships or birth control methods or anything like that coming from Texas um, and then moving to North Carolina. um, That was something that was really hard to talk about. Um, And a lot of schools or um, community-based organizations were not in support of that. So me being queer myself, me being a woman of color, um, I really advocated for that. And it was really important to me that I didn't separate that. 
I like that, Kato. I like that. I love that. That's so vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. What about you? So I feel I feel as though me being identifying as a black woman, um, and being a heterosexual black woman, it it has helped, but I feel like it's also hindered me. Um, especially being a millennial. So coming into this work so early, working with teen moms, they, you know, seeing me as a peer and I'm like, not your peer. You know, so having to like draw those boundaries and then moving into a different position and again, having to draw more boundaries because I'm a young black girl, you know, working with older people. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I do see a lot of a lot of black women being left out of the talks and the studies and and the conversations. And I don't I don't appreciate it. And yeah. You know, sometimes it can be a bit hard to do the work when you're you're left out. How am I supposed to have this drive and this passion to help us mm-hmm. and nobody else around me has this drive and this passion to help us? Wow. But but that's other crazy. black women, right? But other right. black people. Right. Yeah. That's, heavy. that's heavy because I think all of us are we're all people of color. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so many ways how we intersect, but so many ways where we what we defer because with me like I said pronouns he him his cisgender male but gay gay black cisgender male mm-hmm. all of those you know I'm not supposed to be in spaces especially platforms like this being able to discuss our adversities or our experiences mm-hmm. and I think uh when you brought that up that's a really good point because in a lot of cases they don't want us to show up right. they don't want us to be present because we are unfortunately we are a part of a very marginalized community whether it be black whether it be queer whether it be female whether it be no matter what it is there's we're we're part of these very marginalized communities that don't really get uh half of the attention they they deserve but they're affected the most with being with with that being the prior question the question then becomes well what hindrances have you had what adversities have you experienced since doing SIBA if any or breakthroughs rather because I know you discussed boundaries, having boundaries in those spaces. And I, and I respect that completely. Where are you now with that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You all got to see Kendra's face right now. <laughs> when I saw a diva, and this is what I call y'all the divas. I mean, literally, y'all, are, y'all the, the fierceness that you guys approach this with is just phenomenal. I live for it. I'm trying. I'm trying to find the words. Um, <laughs> know when to check my own personal biases Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. check my own personal feelings and to leave them at the door Mm -hmm. and to put on my like knowing knowing to when when to express myself personally Mm. but knowing when to also express myself professionally picking your battles Mm. Um, yeah choosing my battles um Mm -hmm. has has definitely been um a challenge for me thus far Mm -hmm. um because there's there's been opportunities or there's been rooms where I've I've felt comfortable enough to share and then there's been rooms where I haven't felt comfortable enough to share Mm. um and whether I'm and, and when I mean when I'm I don't feel comfortable to share it means that I don't feel like my expertise or my background or where I come from professionally 
I have the okay or I should be in a room speaking, if that makes any type of sense. You have the license. Yeah, Yeah, you know, so so just kind of knowing when to speak and when not to speak, what to speak on and how to say it. So is there anything about safety? Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever feel unsafe because of your identities to say something? Like, is, I think, um, I think for me, a lot of a lot of what Kendra said about like being a woman. Um, I'm an Afro Latina. Um, being in spaces, I also feel like women in general are left out of HIV conversations. Wow. Um, but I feel like Speaking. women in general, when we're talking about sexuality education are left out too like it's not about that you know like we're here to um be like a supporting figure in our homes and in our communities and in our country um so I think that that's that's heavy that's a heavy weight um and then to think that you're not a part of the conversation unless you make yourself a part of the conversation is tough um to say you know I am a part of this community and our community looks different all of us look different and all of us have something to bring and um I think it's important for all of us to to take up space when we can when we can yeah that's right I agree with that wholeheartedly it's smothering the the word I would add to that it's smothering and I think both of you guys made such great points about that because stigma and stereotype play a lot into why people either go into getting seeking health care or why they deviate from seeking health care and it shows up in every every stage of our life I mean of course all of us have talked about our differences and again like even currently with me with the monkeypox situation right that, that what's going on currently there was so much stigma and stereotyping that happened initially, like fresh out the gate, this is only a gay thing. This is only gay boys, gay males are getting it. They're the only ones eligible to receive the vaccine because they're getting it so much. And I just, rem- I mean, I wasn't there for the eighties when the HIV you know, crisis came out, like initially when it, when it began, but mm-hmm. I can only imagine that this is what it felt like. And in tandem with that, to add insult to injury, my generation isn't able to contact that generation and discuss yeah. those things with that generation and say, hey, what was it like when y'all were going through that? Because a lot of them e- are either passed on or, you know, they just never got a chance to live their truth. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of men in their 40, 45, 50, 60 era just now coming out or just now mm-hmm. transitioning or just now being honest with their their parents or, you know, with themselves. So they're starting th- from the beginning. And I think that level of um, suffocation when it comes to women, gays, queer people, lesbian, when it comes to the other, that's what I would call it. Like they treat us almost like the other. We don't feel like priority at times. And then that can put a a, a damper on how you show up in places because I feel the same thing Kendra felt. I've been in a place and been like, nah, I shouldn't say anything. Who am I to speak? I don't have the license to say this. Also, that's what I meant by it'll also keep you from from you know showing up where you need to show up so congratulations just to the bravery clap it up for the bravery bravery that we're that we're uh, performing on a day today with the thing but right now we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to return with the divas of siva miss kendra and miss potter and of course me your host aj hall talk soon 
enjoying the talk? Us too. Let's keep the conversation going. Follow us on all social media platforms: Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Hand United Seba. That's Hand United C B A, where you'll get live updates, meet the team, and indulge in the world of capacity building. Talk soon. Now back to the show. And we're back. So if you are just tuning in, we are here with the divas of SIBA, Capacity Building Assistance. We are here with Ms. Kendra. We're here with Ms. Cotto. And of course, you are here with me. All right. So before the break, we discussed what is SIBA, why SIBA, how long we've been doing SIBA, and a little bit about what adversities or experiences we've had with SIBA thus far. So now I want to deep dive into something a little different. I'm going to call this portion of the podcast a diva you can count on. And I want to go around the circle and I really want us to talk about what audiences we hope to reach with this podcast. Yeah. So I think just showing up as ourselves and making sure that people know who who we are. So Mm -hmm. like we shared before our commercial break, (laughs) Um, I am a lesbian Afro-Latina. Um, so I definitely am always thinking about my community in everything that I do. Um, so I hope that you can see yourselves in, in our work, um, and that we're carrying you with us. Mm, I love that. Kendra, what about you? Um, so I'm hoping to reach those women who identify as I do. Um, and if you missed it in a commercial break, just a heterosexual millennial girl. Um, <laughs> millennial girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm just, I'm hoping to reach that that population. Um, I have conversations with my close friends and being that I'm just getting into the HIV world. I've, I've been in public health, but HIV is completely different if you if you in, are in this realm of work. Um, so just having those conversations about what is PrEP, is it accessible to us? You know, um, and them being like, okay, well, what is PrEP? And it's like, see, that that's sad that we don't know what PrEP is, that we automatically associate PrEP with gay men. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're taught. Like, that's what the commercials push. So I'm really hoping with this podcast to um, reach an audience that is like me. And, you know, we're we just trying to make it. We're just trying to make it. Trying to make it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, of course, you know, I'm going to say, I mean, now that I'm in a space where, and unlike you guys, I've not had, I'm not primarily rooted in public health or, or, you know, um, SIBA. So mm-hmm. me being able to merge my talent or my knack for communications and, and marketing and social media, I really just want to put a platform up for all queer people, period, who want to come in and just listen and just say, oh, he sounds like me. Oh, he, she reminds me of me. And, you know, they sound just like me because, you know, I wish really sitting back now, I really wish I had this resource sooner. And I wish a lot of people had this resource sooner because what I'm starting to realize is the birds and the bees talk for some people isn't the same birds and bees talk for someone else. You If you pick it up what oh, I'm putting yeah. down. So oh, spaces yeah. like this are extremely important. They're extremely you know, necessary to nurture. And I'm so happy that you guys are, are, are here with me. So then my question becomes this though, and we'll close it on out. I won't keep you guys long, but the question becomes, 
So if you have in mind who it is you want to impact, how do you plan on impacting those who aren't like you? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, because um, we don't want to do to them what, you know, what we felt left out, neglected. I would think it's if you make space for people who are more marginalized than you, then inherently you include everyone else. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we have that equity in mind, mm-hmm. then nobody's left out of the conversation. Um, because if if we're being real <clears throat> and you're part of a marginalized group, <clears throat> and you suddenly have space, the people who had space before you don't lose space. There's enough room for everybody. Everybody can have a piece of the pie. That's right. So that's what I would say to that question. But I'm really glad that you asked because I think that that's something that that a lot of people think that if, if I make space for this group of people, what, what will I lose? You mm. have everything to gain. You don't yeah. lose anything. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Carter. I really, really enjoy that. Um, because when, when AJ asked that question, all I could think of, well, if I just be me, you know, then hopefully I reach someone outside of who I identify as. Um, mm. And by us being just who we are, just genuinely good people, then we automatically create that safe space for everyone. So right. want to be a part of the conversation. So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Look, um, I think for me, you guys couldn't have said it better. I mean, you know, I don't think we're monolithic. I don't think that we are all one way. I think we all ex- exist on a spectrum from our height to our weight, to our style, to the way we, we dress, our nationality, to the way we speak, to our orientation. There are so many diverse uh, uh, points in our life that make us Uh, apart from each other but there's also you know still so many intersectionalities and I think for me I'll just start to lean on those intersectionalities Mm -hmm. because me I may not be a male but I'm I'm sorry (laughs) I may not be a female you know like Mm -hmm. you guys but I'm queer you know and I may not be heterosexual like Kendra but I'm black you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and just finding that common ground I think that's the important part when you're looking for common ground when you're looking to impact someone. I think that's when the work is done. Anyway. Yeah. Y'all, this has yeah. been an amazing episode. It's a great way to start off the season. We're a brand new cast. Uh, you'll still still see some familiar faces throughout the season, but we wanted to make sure we came on and showed our faces or at least shown our voices uh, in the meantime. But until then, let me just say thank you again for all our listeners for tuning in. This has been episode one, season two of The Talk formerly known as Let's Talk About Sex, y'all. I am your host, Alonda Hutchinson-Hall, and we are out. Bye. Until next time. Something you want to talk about? We want to hear from you. Let us know so we can expand the conversation. Send us your thoughts to any of our handles at Hands United CBA. That's Hands United CBA. Until then, join us right back here next time, where we laugh together, learn together, and most importantly, where we have the talk. Talk soon. 
This has been a Hands United production.